0: Amazing, 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 the goodness of God. I um I have a devotional. It's not really a sermon. We're gonna have to do a devotional, then we're gonna have communion and, and we're gonna go after something in prayer. Um but I <clears throat> as I was sharing and Carla mentioned some of it, you know, I I can't I can't hardly go by a Christmas season and not reflect about how many times I didn't understand what Christmas is about for years, you know. And then now that I do, it's like uh, I shared earlier, but, you know, I grew up in an agnostic home that celebrated Christmas, and we had all the gifts, and my dad was a very generous man. And so us kids, you know, we just like, we couldn't hardly wait to get up in the morning. And we go open the presents, and, and then by the afternoon, it was, it was like, you know, you always thought as a kid, like, this Christmas, my life's going to be changed forever, And and then by the afternoon you go well I'm I'm still pretty much in the same life I was (laughs) before Christmas came you know, and I I just reflecting on the fact that you know if you grew up in a Hindu home, um, and and things weren't going well, um, the the Hindu priest would say well there's seven thousand gods, and you've got to decide you've got to discover which one you've offended. And then repent. You know, if you, if, you, if you were raised up in an Islam home, um, there, there, God, Allah, was not a God of love. He was a God of fear. And you were trained to do homage. You, three t- times a day, you were to go and pray. And one of the phrases that you had memorized was, or is, God has no son. That's part of what they declare three times a day in their prayer. God has no son. If you're raised in a, a Mormon home or a Catholic home, uh, for the most part, most of those homes, you really don't know for sure if you've done a good, enough good works to know that you're saved. And, and you and I get to know God. God. man, you can't lose the awe of that. You can't lose the awe of that. We get to know God. And it's not because anything we've done, you, Scripture says he chose us before the foundations of the world to be holy and blameless. And Jesus told his disciples, you didn't choose me, I chose you. And if you're in this room and you believe, it's not because you earned some kind of favor with God. It's because the gift of faith was given to you. And now, now you, have, you have the invitation to know him one on one personally. It's like. So we talk about the greatest gift to know God and know that you're accepted in the family and you, you're loved with the same love that Jesus loved you and he, the Father, loved. It's just like, God, please don't let me get accustomed to that. Uh, I was just thinking about, just, you know, I've just been in kind of like inquisitory mode right now in the last several days thinking about the Christmas story and just wondering about the shepherds, how that encounter with the angels, and then seeing the Savior wrapped up in swaddling clothes, you know, how did it change their lives? What was their day after Christmas like? You know, did they, did they grow with this awareness that God is real and the Savior's coming? I wonder if any of them were still alive when Jesus walked through Jerusalem with the cross on his back. You know, I'm, I'm wondering, I hope someday we get to meet the shepherds, right? in the fields that were preparing the sacrificial lambs. And they had this encounter. I'm wondering about the Magi who traveled hundreds of miles and probably took months to get there and landed there a couple years. Of, you know, they estimate anywhere between a year and two years from the time Jesus was born. And, they, and it says when they worshipped him and saw him, they were filled with, with joy and gladness that they got to worship. First Gentiles that ever worshipped the Messiah. He just wondered, what was their life like after Christmas? What is our life supposed to look like after Christmas? How do we keep the spirit of Christmas in the midst, now listen, in the midst of war? Jesus was born in a conflict, in the middle of a conflict. Herod's after him by the time he's true, trying to kill him. All the babies, two years old and un- under, get killed in Bethlehem because of this conflict. And you and I, we kind of get anesthetized by the politeness of Christmas and the docileness of Christmas and the peace and silent night. And you know what I mean? But this is, we're an all out war. Jesus was born into this war. It's, it's a war that can be defined as darkness versus light and good versus evil and Christ versus the Antichrist and the church versus the Antichrist. And how, how do we stay keeping the spirit that is released on Sunday in that Christmas morning cradle? How do we how do we keep that joy, that gladness, right? That the angels said I bring you good no- news of great joy in the midst of war. Do we try to ignore the war? Or do we complain and get angry about the war? Or is there another, another way? It's those kind of questions that, that have me in this place of just wonder and awe. And, uh, <clears throat> and I want to look at two people that, in the midst of the journey, kept focused on what God was doing. In the midst of the war, in the midst of the wonder and the mystery, kept focus on what God was doing. And, and there are two people that come in on the scene after the traditional Christmas story that we read. It's Simeon and Anna. And, and it's really a pretty crazy story. If you open your Bibles to Luke chapter 2, I don't have all the scriptures up here. So I hope on your phones you have it, or maybe you have a a real Bible in front of you, that would be amazing. (laughs) But Luke chapter 2, we're going to look at this in verses 21. Again, I'm not preaching a long sermon. We're going to take communion. In fact, if you're online, just invite you to get the sacraments and participate here in a few minutes with us. Um, I'm going to start reading verse 21. And when eight days had passed... Before his circumcision, his name was given then called Jesus. The name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed. Uh, in Leviticus, it t- talks about an ex- exodus that a, a woman, after they had a child, could not come back into public worship until 40 days of purification. I need to do some research to see or talk to some rabbis and figure out why that was. But anyway, that's the case. So this is 40 days later that they're going to go into the temple. Um, were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. Firstborn child had to be dedicated to the Lord, saying, this is the Lord, to offer sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and his name and this man was righteous and devout looking for the consolation it could be translated looking for the comforter or messiah of Israel and the holy spirit was upon him now this this guy from a human resume standpoint was just just a normal guy but he was he had a fear of the lord he wanted to be in right relationship with the lord he wasn't a priest he wasn't a king he was just a guy that was devout And living, wanting to be close to God, he had the fear of the Lord like he wanted to obey God. And so he was righteous. And in his intimacy with the Lord, he had connection with the Holy Spirit. And in that connection, God had told him, you're going to see the Messiah before you die. So God, in his orchestration, has Mary and Joseph and Jesus walk into the temple. At the same time, Simeon comes into the temple. Verse 26 it would be revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Just another thing to remind us is they did not have the opportunity to have the Holy Spirit within. Jesus hadn't paid the price, hadn't made the way for a believer to be holy and have the Holy Spirit become the temple. So, He has such a relationship with God that the Holy Spirit comes on him. In the Old Testament, this is the way the Lord worked, because the Holy Spirit came on people to accomplish his works. Now you and I believe we have the Holy Spirit within us, but Jesus said he will come upon us too when? That's one of the things I want to talk about real quick here. The Holy Spirit came upon him, and the Spirit in the temple, and when the parents brought him in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed him, and this is what he said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bond bondservant and depart in peace according to your word. To depart, I'm sorry, in peace, according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. A light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your holy people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at these things which were being said about him. Now, this is, this is pretty crazy when you think about this. Because the, the religious Jews, the Pharisees, we, we, they kind of have a little bit of a bad rap because they rejected Christ. And, you know, and, and they were religious. I mean, there was pride in law. Jesus rebuked them. But you have to understand, Gentile believers, their eyes were sovereignly blinded by God so that you could come into the family I, I just hope we hope we can like be in that mystery spot with the Lord on this the Jews and still to this day a majority of the Jews eyes are blinded until the fullness of the Gentiles and Simeon somehow, I mean, these Jews, they were looking for a ruler. They were looking for a king. They were looking for a deliverer to take them out of Roman captivity, right? And, and so here Jesus shows up on the scene 33 years later doing miracles. I mean, signs and wonders, and they reject him. They don't believe he's the Messiah. But here we have Simeon seeing a baby. And the Holy Spirit says, this is the one. And, and this is what I want to suggest, that as soon as we leave the perspective that we're on the earth to co-labor with what God is doing, and we're fixing our eyes to see, we're looking to see what is the Lord doing? What is Messiah doing? How can I partner with him? Bill Johnson says, you will not understand your identity, your true identity, until you understand you're on the earth to be a co-laborer with Christ until you're on the earth to partner with Christ, lots of times just through prayer, more than that, Santa Cop. But in this case, unless we understand, our eyes are fixed, like how many know that the bride will have made herself ready and will actually partner with the Holy Spirit to invite Christ back? Come, Maranatha. There's this thing going on in the church right now, the opportunity to become more aware of the coming of the Lord and the work of the Lord on the earth than potentially ever before. Simeon understands. This is crazy, you guys. This is absolutely nuts. God prophesied 300 times the Old Testament, I'm bringing a Messiah, I'm bringing a Messiah. He even set up some keys for places and dates. And and yet unless there's intercessors on the earth inviting God to release Messiah, the Messiah won't come. This, this is what we have to get. Um, apart from us, God is not going to move. He's looking for men and women and young people to call upon God to move on the earth. I, I can't remember which scholar said it, but it says, God has tied his hands behind his back and waits upon the prayers of the saints. He does nothing on earth apart from the prayers of the saints. And so you have two people. The other one is Anna and Simeon are in the temple praying for the Messiah to come. Let's look at Anna real quick. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of, I don't have it on the board, so you have to look at your Bibles and make sure that I'm not lying to you. The daughter of Feminuel, I don't even know how to say that. Somebody else say it for me. The tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow to the age of 84. What I love about this is she didn't become bitter or angry at God. She just came, she just came into assignment. She never left the temple serving night and day with fasting and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption. Look at this. To all those who were looking for the redemption, looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. So, Anna, this is a beautiful witness to us. is We don't have to go to the temple like she did to pray, right? We actually are the temple, so we can pray without ceasing right where we are. We actually can walk our days in intercession. What are you doing, Lord? How can I partner? What can I say yes to? What's your heart for that person? We can actually walk in awareness of the Holy Spirit and what he wants to do on the earth and, and come into agreement through prayer. We don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to wait for Sundays, thank Jesus. Every day, all day long, we can kind of be in this place of like intercession. looking for the Redeemer to show up where we live, where we walk. We're finished going through John uh, 13 through 17, but one of the things that we didn't really hit on, there was a lot, of, we, lot we didn't hit on in, the, in those chapters, and I, I've shared this before, but since we've been in that, and while we were in that, I felt this, just kind of this not not just a fear of the lord in the word it's like man jesus is discipling his disciples training them for his leaving and we're reading the same words and then john 17 he actually is praying for us it's just like that is crazy And, and one of the things he said five times in these chapters that he's trying to get them to fully be aware of, he says, ask for anything in my name and the Father will give it to you. He's, t- he's teaching this, he's teaching this, he's teaching this, then he goes, and ask for anything in my name, and the Father will give it to you. He's teaching this, abide in my love, abide in- Oh, yeah, and ask for anything in my name, and the Father will give it to you. And then he goes in and talks about he's going away, and then he says, And ask for anything in my name, and the Father will give it to you. It's like he's trying to get become help us as trained disciples and lovers of God and warriors on the earth to understand. Partnership in prayer is where it's at. Let's look at one of them real quick. John chapter 16, verse 23. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, if you ask the Father for anything in my name, he will give it to you. Until now, you have not asked for nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive so that your joy may be made full. Well, something's going to shift after Jesus suffers on the cross. He's going to raise from the dead. And then what happens to him? Turn to your neighbor and says, what happened to him? After he raised from the dead. <laughs> what, what happened to Jesus after he raised from the dead? He ascended, right? He was glorified to the right hand of the Father. And it says in Philippians 2, the Father exalted him and bestowed upon him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, of those in heaven, on earth, and under earth, and every tongue will confess Jesus as Lord. So he's given a place of authority that he didn't have before the suffering. And so this is what he's referring to. You've not asked for anything My name. I'm telling you, new authority is going to be released in your prayers. When I get exalted at the right hand of the Father, anything you say in my name is going to happen on earth. I don't know, is there anybody in the room that prayed for something that didn't happen? If you didn't, you're probably not praying. (laughs) Everybody in this room has prayed for something in Jesus' name, and it didn't happen. And you're left in this place of mystery, and I can't tell you for sure what the answer is. But what is interesting... Jesus never gave an excuse or a reason for unanswered prayer. The only time he did was disciples when they went to deliver that um, demon-infested little boy and couldn't get rid of them, right? And he said, because of littleness of your faith, when they asked, why couldn't we do it? And I learned a couple years ago, I remember some scholar was teaching about littleness is not size, but length. The word there is tied to how long you persisted in prayer. Did you give up? Did you quit? And so when he talks about littleness of faith, it's the only time he gives us any clue of why we prayed for something that didn't happen. But God is faithful. There's prayers that you have prayed that God's still going to answer. Look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. All of a sudden, they are I don't know, probably in their 80s, they've asked for a baby, but they kind of gave up on that dream. Right? Are you guys with me? And all of a sudden, Jesus says, I still remember that prayer. I still remember that dream. And all of a sudden, John the Baptist is in the womb. One of the things I want to, like, loose is, is awareness that sometimes things we've prayed for that we've given up on, the Lord still remembers. Don't give up. Don't give up. If, the, we're going to pass out communion, but I want to read Hebrews ten, nineteen through twenty-three as as we get ready. This is the shift. One of the descriptions of the shift that happened when he said, "Pray in my name." Hebrews ten nineteen through twenty-three. Yeah, go ahead and bring it. We're going to take communion. We're going to pray. Worship team can be ready to partner. Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence, somebody say confidence. Come on now, somebody say confidence. This is such a beautiful word right here. We have confidence. We don't have to shrink. We don't have to guess. We don't have to hope. We have confidence. Why? Because of the blood of Jesus. We have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which he opened or inaugurated for us through the veil, that is his flesh. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. Somebody say draw near. Draw near. I love that. Having our hearts sprinkled clean, washed by the blood, forgiven, our bodies washed, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering for he who promised is faithful. sons and daughters, I don't know. How many of you have sons and daughters that when they start asking for something as a father, you're just like, man, it's hard for me to say no. You got one asking, you know, for ice cream at night, and you're going, no. And then you got two asking, and then you got three, and you're all four. We had four. are asking for ice cream It's hard to say no. Clay, is that true?
1: It's true. It's
0: hard to say no. There's this, this, there's this realization that as a son and daughter of God, you have access to the heart of God. And he actually has things he's waiting for you to ask for. You have not because you asked not, right? He is like, come confidently. I've opened the door. I hope you're dreaming with me about what I want to do on the earth. Because I want to do it. I'm just waiting for Bobby to pray it. I want to do it and just come to agreement. with Woodson and his bride come together, Danica, and they come into agreement. When two or three are gathered in my name and praying, ho, ho, ho. The father goes, I can't can't deny that prayer. I, I just can't deny that prayer. Yeah, Santa Claus, right? Ho, ho, ho. It just kind of came out. We're going to finish and just praying. hope you're joining online. We're going to take communion here. Um, and then we're going to pray. And I, you know, I'm going to release this testimony, um, not because I'm proud about it, although I'm, I'm humbled by it, actually. Um, yesterday, our families came together, and uh, there's 20 of us right now. 21 is on the way. And... Uh, The beautiful thing is we come together, we do the meal. I cook prime rib, Jeff cooked prime rib. We ate good. I actually feel a little sick today. I think I ate too good. (laughs) And uh, um, and, and then we open presents. It's the time that Brenda and I bring our presents to the family, because they've had their personal times. And so they all open our presents. And Brenda's the gift giver. And so I partner with her sometimes, but she gets most of the credit. It's her love language, so it's amazing. I married an amazing gift giver. And so, and then we do that, and then the beautiful thing is everybody wants to have communion. They want to. There's no greater joy for me and Brenda to have my kids and grandkids want to do communion. Communion. And give Jesus glory. Again, I I just am humbled by that. I release that testimony because I believe there's going to be a work of God in the family members in this room. And in our church and online. Like, there's going to be a fresh work of children and grandchildren, moms and dads, grandparents, coming into the revelation because of your prayers. Because of your intercession. God wants to move in the family. Linda, I agree with all the prayers, Linda Elliott, over your family. (coughs) So let's do communion. And then we'll sing, and then we'll pray. Did you get one? You have one? Let's stand before the Lord and take this together. Dave, can you thank God for the flood, please? And I often thank God for the body so you have a chance to, like, prepare yourself. She gave me that look, like. It's something to be married to a pastor, I'm telling you. No higher calling. (laughs) Yeah, Father, we humble our hearts before you, and oh, my goodness, Lord. As far as the east is from the west, so far have you removed our transgressions from us. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your sacrificial love. We thank you for your persevering love. We thank you for your enduring love. We thank you that in that moment of crisis, you surrendered to the Father's will over you. Not my will, but yours be done. Lord Jesus, we thank you for the joy set before you. You endured the cross, and your body was broken, that we could be made whole, before you, that we could be confident to come as sons and daughters. Thank you for the broken body of Jesus. We remember you in it. Let's partake together. Thank you, Jesus, thank
1: you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Say that with me. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. God says in your word, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. Mm. So, we again are just honored to step into this place and remember that you gave your very life, your blood, so that we can live with you forever. God, let not one person in this room or online be willing to give that up, to go their own way. God, we just call families, members of our families, the prodigals, we call them into the reality that you gave your blood so that they could live forever with you. Thank you so much for your blood. Yeah, amen.
0: Okay, here's what I'd like you to do. I'd like you to find somebody. And before we end with this worship song that's going to send us out, I want you to pray for family members, even even your own children that may be following the Lord, just that God would secure them secure them in the ways of the lord or somebody you know maybe a neighbor but i want to pray for salvations and reconciliation and healing of family anybody want to agree for that so let's just take a minute i want you guys to pray and then we'll finish off with a song of worship
2: <clears throat> how marvelous, how wonderful in my song shall yeah, okay. love for Fill my life with joy overflow.
0: Okay, we're going to just, here's the this, here's this situation we're going to move into the song with. When we stay in assignment as a co-laborer with Christ, then we are candidates for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. He's already in us. But when we stay in assignment with Him, we're candidates for the Holy Spirit to come upon us for supernatural revelation, supernatural gifting to give away to other people. So we go on to 2022. This is what we're asking for. We already know the Holy Spirit's in us. But we want to walk in the fullness of the Holy Spirit being upon us. So let's sing this as an invitation.
2: Let it be a sweet, sweet sound Let it be a sweet, sweet sound In your ear Lord, we ask
0: you give us eyes to see And ears to hear what the Spirit is saying in our days let us be in tune with you and what you're doing that we can say yes and amen to see you move on the earth in our hour we want to see you glorify jesus in our lives and through our lives so anoint us with the holy spirit come upon us with revelation with power and with love because we are your people your children in jesus name amen amen Make sure everybody around you know they're amazing before you leave, okay?